wow, happy day, and it is. If we're sanctified, we have that feeling, and uh, I'm blessed to be here this morning. Not here, but here yeah. with all of y'all. Yeah, um, I feel like Becky when she said, uh, look around and see the ones. I, Brother Danny, Sister Alice get the Long Distance Award this weekend, I think. And they're used to traveling on Sunday, usually to Shinkatig. The drive home is going to be a little longer this time than normal. And I think about all the ones that are here, and feast meetings have gotten to be expensive to come to. And I'm telling this for the people here in the Chilton County area. The folks that are here from Homa and from Norfolk and all the parts in between collectively have spent thousands of dollars this weekend to come together and support y'all and love you and preach to you and worship with you. Somebody say amen. amen. This is who we are. This is what we do. And I love it. I want to start off reading this morning in the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. I ask the saints to pray for God's word today. God, that God will be glorified. I have a friend that lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and she's a photographer, of amateur photographer, and been there a long time. She posted a picture the other day. It was a scene of downtown Nashville, and they're building a high-rise building, and it's replacing an iconic building, a building that had been there for decades that was well-known. And her comment in the post was, the only thing constant in life is change. And that, you know, that kind of hit me a little bit. And then just a few hours later, um, y'all, y'all, most of y'all know how Facebook does. It'll pop up a memory. And it was pictures I had taken from this feast meeting four years ago. And I started going through those pictures, you know. Wow, how much has changed. I counted four people that was here four years ago that are not with us, that have died, that have gone to glory. Um, Young people, four years can be a third of your life from eight to 12. You know, and things have changed so much. Some people's health situation have changed. Hebrews 12, chapter 12, chapter 13, excuse me, I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. The 12th verse says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people, that's you and me, with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Verse 15, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And for those of us that God has forgiven and that God has gifted with the Holy Spirit, we need to let the fruit of our lips give praise to his name, not just in church, not just when we're together, but wherever we are, let our life and then our testimony, our life first, 
but then our testimony, if required, back up and give witness to the work of God in our life for others to know. We live as a minority in a lost and dying world. God is counting on us to be in now, then, now, 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 then, you are ambassadors for Christ. And, and we beseech you in Christ's stead, this is our job, be ye reconciled to God. Without a reconciliation, there is no happiness, there is no joy, there is no rest, there is no contentment, there is no heaven, there is no eternity, there is really nothing without us being reconciled to God. And we, um, we, we have uh, our church and our, our doctrine and our form of worship and our customs and our traditions are very unique. Yes. Unique is kind of a code word for strange sometimes, sometimes. or weird. It is a code word for um, being rare almost. It, yeah. Something that's unique. It's not something that's common. And we, we, we live in a world that, and I think this is happening all across America from what I can see, where the church, what I call the church, the big umbrella of everyone that is claiming the name of Christ. Now, we know that not everyone that claims the name of Christ is true. Not everyone that claims the name of Christ has true doctrine. But for all those under that umbrella, I see a trend toward the church becoming commercialized. Right. Let's talk about reality. Right. And the way, to, the way this happens is people get so focused on numbers and growing, growing in numbers, growing in numbers, growing in income. Because extra numbers is extra money. A lot of churches, that's a big part of what they do. And so the culture is, well, we need to appeal to the lost. Yeah. And we need to, in our service, we need to look like them. And so we get a lot of, y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all are really quiet, but this, let's talk about reality. This is a trend that is happening across our world. And we got a church at home, this relatively new parking lot jammed up every Sunday. Jammed up every Sunday because they got entertainment and the preacher dresses cool and they got smoke machines and light machines. And, and, and then at the end, you get a TED talk. You get this pet rally talk of just a generic life. God's got something good for you. God's got something good for everybody. I don't have to go to church to know that. He's a God of good. He's not a God of evil. He's not one to punish us. He's not one to take away. But then in, so as this trend continues, here we are, Christ sanctified, holy church, going all the way back February 14th, 1892 with the same kind of service. We do dress up for church most of the time. Yes. Give God a little bit of honor. Yeah. Look, you don't go see your lawyer dressed like a bum. Right. Why would you come to church like that? Right. Somebody say amen. Yeah, amen. If we're going to give people in, you know, just regular people a little bit of um, respect, it's all right to give God some respect. Right. Now, if you're here 
and you're in shorts and a t-shirt, I say, praise God. It's all right. I'm not focusing on that. But what I am saying is, here we are, kind of, you know, trendy. We're not, we're not necessarily caught up in culture. And, right. and, and we're not packed out to the parking lot except a feast meeting and all that. But let me, let me read you a verse over here. This is in the book of 2 Thessalonians in the second chapter in the 13th verse. And I want to just say, this is who we are. You got to know who you are in Christ as a group. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning. This is the God, remember I just read, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. So God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth whereunto he called you. God didn't call you to a generic admission of faith that doesn't change your life, that makes you a new and improved sinner. No, God called you to sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Who's the truth? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh to the Father except he come by me. He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this verse. This is who we are. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Some things in our traditions are not written down, but we know kind of what they are, don't we? Yeah, that's good. And it's impacted all of our lives. Yeah. Um, Brother Adam talked, and I found in my stuff, I found right before camp meeting, a book that I was told that Brother Bob Collins and Brother George Miller wrote um, I'll share it with you later, Brother Danny. It was, I think, 1978 was the date on it. And it was Guidelines for Holy Living. Wasn't that the theme of it? That's right. And uh, I shared it with a few friends. And um, one brother made a PDF out of it. They printed it out and handed it out to the young folks of the Bible study. And it was some specific things in there. We, we recommend that sanctified people do not do this. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And we recommend that sanctified people do this. And we recommend, and this was in writing, this was by word. So it says here, hold fast to the traditions you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle, whether it's spoken, whether, and, and some things I know, I know, I know life changes and there are things allowed now. There's things that our folks Facebook about, bragging about now, that they would have been ashamed to have mentioned 30 years ago. Somebody say amen. Tell me I'm not alone in this. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. It's all right. Nobody's ever got to heaven and walked in the gate and said, I wished I had lived a little looser. 
Amen? Amen. Ain't nobody ever got to heaven and wished, well, I could have done a little more. No, folks, let me tell you something. Holy living is just that. And it means there's a separation. It's not we're not supposed to aspire to be like the world. It, it bothers me when I see people talk about, I went to this concert of this country singer and this and that and the other, like it's okay. It's not okay. The things they sing about are not sanctified values. Amen. Some places that you go, we need to live holy. Yes. Brother Jonathan Williams, some of y'all don't know him, but you're getting to know him fast, and his beautiful sanctified wife, Sister Jamie, you, 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 you posted on Facebook a few weeks ago, and it, I've to, I told you this yesterday, and I'm paraphrasing it, but Brother Jonathan said that there's some videos going around of he was a singer in, in a band. In a punk rock band, say it like it is, and played in biker bars and places like that. This is his past right, okay. before he became sanctified. Right. And he said, this, these, these videos are going around. This is what he wrote. He said, but I want you to know that I was sanctified on February 5th, 2021. And everything that I did before that date is null and void. Amen. Somebody say amen. Listen, God wants us to get away from our past. Not revel in it, but be ashamed of it like it is. And we become a new man in Christ Jesus where all things are dead. They're passed away. They're null and void and behold, all things become new. We're bound to give thanks for you because God hath from the beginning chosen us to salvation. This is who we are. Well, let me, so we know who we are. We are sanctified people. We are people that believe in holiness. We're people that preach holiness. We're people that love holiness. We're people that love uh, praising a holy God. I go to the verse, uh, for book of Colossians in the first chapter. And he said this, talking about sanctification, is the mystery that's been hid from ages and from generations, and it's now made manifest, or it's made open, it's been revealed to his saints, to whom God would make known to us. God would make known the, what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, and now he explains what, what the mystery is. What is the mystery? You know the world doesn't understand it. The mystery is simply Christ in you. Not on me, but in me. And who is that? He is the hope of glory. He's our only hope. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable, but we have a hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. I want to go to glory, don't you? I don't want to go to hell. Hell is just as real. We don't talk about it much. We don't preach about it much. Brother Doris Stammer told us years ago that Jesus talked about hell more than any other subject. Go, go read about it. He talked about it often. And, and we don't want it there. We've we, we got the hope of glory. And now this next verse, the 28th verse of Colossians chapter 1 is I've already told you who we are, and this is what we do. Whom we preach, warning every man 
and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That's our mission right there, folks. Man, we got a mission, not just that we preach it in church. Of course we preach it in church. But I want to tell you something. You are an ambassador for Christ if you are sanctified. You're taking Jesus with you in your workplace. And wherever you are in, in your sphere of influence, which is over here, Stella's got one that's in her life. Yes, it's, she does. It's, it's whatever Stella's doing at school and work and family. It's Stella's circle of influence. But then I go over here to Brother Jake, and Brother Jake's got a sphere of influence right. that's different from Sister Stella. Right. And Brother Jake is an ambassador for Jesus Christ. That means you represent Jesus wherever you are. And the people that you're with that don't know about being sanctified, don't know about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you've got a responsibility, Sister Stella and Brother Jake, to tell them about it. Now, some of us are a little more shy and it's a little hard to do, but let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If you're living the life, the questions will come. Yes, they will. When, you, when you're not tempted to go be with them and do things that sanctified people don't do, you know, if they got a problem with it, let it be their problem. Why should we be embarrassed? Because we are sanctified. This is who we are. And we are preaching the word, warning every man and teaching every man. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is what we do. And I don't want to be embarrassed about it. I don't want to be ashamed about it. If the world doesn't get it, it's their problem. If they want to mock it, it's their problem. If they want to make fun of it, it's their problem. This is who I am. This is what I do. Amen? Amen. And listen, all you young folks, especially, it's so when you're young, you don't have, um, you don't necessarily, some do, some don't. Peer pressure is so strong when you're a teenager or younger and in school. Now, at me and Brother Sam's age, we're not too worried about it. Amen, Brother Sam? If folks don't like us, we've got our identity. Brother Sam and I, 11 months in age apart. We've been sanctified since we were teenagers together, worshiping God together. And if my friends at work or whatever, if they don't, I don't care. I really don't care. You want to mock me back? You know what? Because I'm on the good old ship. I'm going to heaven when I die. I got Jesus in my heart. I got a sanctified wife. I got sanctified children. I got all the blessings of God. And if you think that's silly, then you got a problem. Because you need to get on board and go with us. Amen. This is who we are, and this is what we do. It's important to have that identity. It's important to know what sanctification really does. It is not being sanctified. It's not that you went to an altar twice. You will have to go to an altar twice. You might have to go to an altar 10 times. But going to the altar and asking God to forgive us is something that most people understand. Because most everyone, when they get to the age of accountability, they know they've done wrong. They know, I mean, we all knew. I mean, I was young, I was 11, and I was already feeling guilty. And most everybody at some point in their life, God wakes you up. 
And He makes you understand, whoa, I know God's not happy with me. I know I got things I need to be for. And forgiveness is really easy for people to understand. And most churches that I have experienced and talked to friends, and I've talked to a lot of people, when they ask you to say what is not a biblical term, but they'll call it the sinner's prayer, and they'll tell you that you're saved. And in that prayer, most versions of it that I've heard and read and uh, listened to, it, it does say God acknowledged that I'm a sinner and that I'm sorry. And you know what? I think God forgives right there. I really do. If the heart is sincere, I mean, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, I mean, it's just that automatic. He's faithful. He's just to forgive us of our sins. But you know what? If you don't know anymore, then you're, you're forgiven and from your past. But, but what's caused us to sin, the, the nature of Adam that fell on us from the beginning, the carnal mind, the Bible says, then that's still there and we still can't help but mess ourselves up because we don't have power to overcome the carnal mind. But Sister Joanne, there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus to those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. It goes on in that same chapter. Boy, that clock's ticking. I'm sorry. It goes on in that same chapter, and it also tells us in that eighth chapter that to be carnally minded is death. If we stay where we're born and the carnal mind is not taken care of, it's not dealt with through the power of God, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, this 8th chapter Romans says, is life and peace. It says in this 8th chapter that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And people automatically think, well, I have no choice. I have no chance because we're in the flesh. But he's not talking about this. He's talking about the heart condition. He's talking about the carnal mind. To be fleshly minded is carnally minded. To be, if we're in the flesh, in our heart, we cannot please God. But the very next verse says, but you, and we hadn't died yet, we're all living, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwelleth in you and if Christ be in you the body is dead because the sense of the flesh dies the spirit becomes alive and we are new creatures in Christ Jesus we don't walk after the flesh we walk after the spirit the second chapter of the book of Ephesians brother Robert uh, that's my buddy's favorite chapter. He has read that. I've heard him read this as much as anyone over the stand. I want to read you a few verses out of this. This is who we are. This is what we do. And it says in the first verse of the second chapter of Hebrews, a lot of times these first 10 verses are read and I've heard it quoted where it's just like one, one verse. We're not going to do that this morning. We're going to talk about some of this. The first verse says, and you... Has he quickened? The word quickened means to be living. And you hath he made alive who were dead 
They that are in the flesh cannot please God. But we're not in the flesh. We're in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in us. So we were dead in trespasses and in sins. And it happened over and it happened over. And you had a weakness that caused you to go after one thing. And you, and, 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 and you say, Lord, if you deliver me from this, I'll never do this again. How many people prayed that prayer? You don't have to raise your hand. But there's a bunch of people. Lord, you get me out of this mess. Oh, I'll never do that again till the next time. Huh? And then you're right back where you started. We were dead in trespasses over and over and sins. Wherein in time past, Brother Jonathan, in time past, not time current, not time future, but in time past, we walked according to the course of this world. What's the course of this world? What is the course of this world? If any, Jesus he said in the, in, in the book of 1 John, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The course of this world, the course the way, the direction it's going is against God. So in time past, we were right there with them, walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, it's talking about Satan, that now works in the children of disobedience. Who are they? They're the friends that we used to have. Huh? But thanks to Calvary, I'm not the man I used to be. Hallelujah. Among whom also, we were right there with them. We all had our conversation in time past. Our conversation, it talks about, that word in the Bible means our life. Our life is our conversation. It's speaking. It is active to people around us. And we all had our conversation in times past. How? In the lust of our flesh. We fulfilled the desires of the flesh. And worse than that, of the mind. You know, the mind is a scary place to go. You can imagine things that are unimaginable in reality. But in time past, we walked according to the course of this world. And through the lust of our flesh, we fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We had a lot of company with us along the way, didn't we? But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us us together with Christ by grace you're saved and hath made us has raised us up together and has made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus I'm telling you now somebody became sanctified 40 years ago and some else somebody else became sanctified 35 and 30 and 25 and 20 and maybe as recently as camp meeting it was different times for different people but he has raised us up together he's made us sit together 
in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is a together thing. I'm not serving God by myself. I'm serving God as part of the sanctified community, as part of the sanctified fellowship. I don't have to bear my burdens alone. I got brothers and sisters that want to help me. I got brothers and sisters praying for me in times of trouble. I got, I've got all He has given to us everything that pertains unto life and godliness. There's not anything that you need on the walk to heaven that God has not put in your toolkit. The only problem is if you choose not to use the tools that He's given you. That's right. If you don't take advantage of the Word of God and of the prayer life that we can have and of the fellowship and the feast meetings and the camping, if you don't take advantage of that, you will be on your own. But when we do that, He's made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. We can, no wonder we get together. This is what we do. Man, I love our former worship, don't you? It is, uh, it is portable. You know that? I've done this in living rooms. I've done this in country stores. I've done this under tents with sawdust. I'm that old. I have done that. <laughs> I didn't do uh, uh, the tabernacle thing, but maybe somebody here did. I've done it at camp meeting. I've done it at feast meeting. We can do this. They said our folks did it on the street, on the Capitol steps in Washington, D.C. when they left the island. I've heard that story. It's portable. You know what else? Everybody can do it. I don't have to have a gift or a talent or a calling. Somebody say amen. We can all do it. Our little kids do it. Me and last night we had one song going and, and Everly Pearl from Leesburg was standing in the doorway, three years old. She was just doing like this the whole song. Don't y'all love it? Yeah. Uh, do you want to do it any other way? No. I love it. I love what we do. Well, he's raised us together that in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved. Through faith. And that not of yourself. It's the gift of God. It's not of works. No, it's not. You can't earn it. You can try to impress me or our folks, or it's not of works. Yeah. It's of grace. By faith. Because he that cometh to God must first believe that he is, that he exists. You wouldn't, you wouldn't come to him if you didn't think he, if he was an atheist. Atheists don't pray. But you have to believe that he is, and that you have to believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. For we are his workmanship, yes, we are. His work. created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And I want to, this last two verses here in Hebrews 13, back to that. I've told you who we are and what we do, and now I want to tell you why we do it. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight,
through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brother Brian preached a sermon two weeks ago in Leesburg, and I, I sincerely encourage you to go listen to that sermon. Um, he talked about not quitting and not giving up and not going back. And he gave at the end the reasons that I can't give up on God. And I can't, I'm not trying to preach his sermon, but this, it was wonderful. He, one of the things he said was, I can't give up because I know what God did for me right here. Yeah. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Do you remember the hole of the pit from which you were digged? Jonathan, do you remember? Yeah. You remember where you were? And I know what God's done for me. Brian says, I can't quit because of that. And he listed two or three other reasons. And the last one that he said, I can't quit because my journey is not complete. We're not done, y'all. We're still on the way. We haven't made it yet. We can't. I, Sister Alice, you've been sanctified a long time. I've been sanctified 51 years. I can't believe that. I was 11 years old, April 4, actually 52 years. Wow. But 51, April 4, 1971. And I can't, I can't quit now and say, well, hey, it's my best shot. You know, that ought to be good enough to get me to heaven. Y'all think that's going to work? Huh? No. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So we're not quitting. We're not going back. We know who we are. We know what we do. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen. And now I want to close with just a couple of words. It's been on my heart for some time. This is a little bit off the path of my sermon. We, um, I, read, I read about a man a few, few days ago. Actually, it's been a couple of months ago. And he's a, he's, he's a guy I know. He's a preacher. And he likes to do yard sales. So he was riding around on a Saturday, and y'all know how they put up signs, you know, with the arrows pointing down the street. So he saw this sign, caught his eye, and he drove up, and it was a church. And they were selling all the stuff in the church. They were selling pews, they were selling tables and chairs. I'm looking in that room. They were selling the racer boards. They were selling hymnals. And the people that were selling the stuff were older ladies and older men that had been a part of this church for a long, long, long time. Years and decades. And as this preacher that I know, as he, he got to talking and these little ladies started crying. And they had tears going down their face. And they said, this is where our, our children got married. This is where I found the Lord. This is where my children were raised up in Sunday school. And they said, they said, well, why are you selling? They said, well, our young people grew up and they didn't want to be a part of it. And they moved out of town. Some of them got married, moved out of town. And some of them go to other churches and some of them don't go to any other church. But now it's just got down to a, a few old people 
And we don't have the money to pay the bills anymore. And we got to sell the building. Well, I don't mean what I'm getting ready to say next is a bad thing, but I want it as a wake-up call. Board number one had a meeting. Brother Danny was a big part of that in camp meeting in July. And very, very, very difficult and heart-rending decision. Our church has decided to sell our sanctuary and grounds in Omar, Delaware, where we have had a church for 70, 60 years. How long, Brother Danny? Something like that. When Brother Josh and Sister Steltar moved there back in the 40s, maybe. Something like that. And I've had, um, and it's, the reason is very simple. When you walk in the Omar church, you come in that door there, and you walk in, and there's pews just there, right there over here. And the building's in good shape, and there's a thermostat on the wall. And one of the things that I miss, you go turn that thermostat on, and the air kicks on. The water's running. Yeah. The bathrooms work. Right. So why are we selling a perfectly good building where hundreds of souls, maybe, I don't know how many, have been sanctified over the years, where in the Omar Delaware community, um, that church was a lighthouse in a very dark world. When Brother Roy and Sister Dawn got things going 10 or 12 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever it was, there was immediately, every time we had meetings there, people from the community had come out that they knew about the sanctified. They knew Brother Josh and Sister Still. Here, that story would be Brother Opo right. and Sister Beatrice. The backbone of this church. Somebody saying this is a reality thing that I'm talking about. Now, along the way, in 2001, after many, many years, Brother Otho had moved Sister Beatrice to the campground in the nursing home when she, and he went there to take care of her and they both passed away. And in those years, there was no church here. That little church was on the hill, on the, in, the, in the valley there. The building was there, the cookhouse was there, but there was no meetings going on. And y'all know the story. In the spring of 2001, Brother Sam was here and a bunch of others came down to have one last exploratory meeting. Is that a fair assessment, Brother Sam? Because the question was on the table. What do we do with an empty building? What do we do with an empty church? Do we let it sit? We sold a church in Thomasville four or five years ago that had been sitting vacant for about 40 years, 50 years, I don't know, a long time. Finally, we sold the building. So in that meeting, Brother Jim, thank you. Yes. Told Brother Donnie, Brother Donnie, if you'll move here, I'll get sanctified. Brother Donnie, thank you. You said, Jim, I'll make you a deal. You get sanctified, and I'll move here. It can't be the 2001. Who was the first one to the altar? Raise your hand, brother. First Saturday night, you were at the altar. And you were repentant. And you wanted Jesus. And you wanted to be sanctified. And you became sanctified and gift of the Holy Ghost. And Brother Donnie, thank you and Sister Diane for following up on your vow and moving you. Yeah. And because of that, a revival broke out. Yeah. And, and we were 
blessed to be a part of that. I wouldn't trade the five years that we were coming here before Leesburg started. I wouldn't trade Daryl McCarty. There you are. All the Sunday mornings Daryl and I got up, sometimes with Brian, sometimes with Jeff, and drove four hours over here to be in church. All the times we came those five years, I wouldn't trade all that for the greatest vacation anywhere you can sit. I don't care how pretty it is in any part of the world. I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade the most exotic vacation for the memories I have. I was here with so many people to the altar. I remember so vividly the morning that Sister Mary, Sister Betty, Brother Jess came to the altar. When they got to the altar that morning, I called on Brother Walter Cross to pray. And he couldn't pray. Nobody could pray. We were all crying. Our hearts were so happy that our folks' children had come home. Y'all forgive me. I'm going somewhere where it is. And so 21 years have passed since that time. That's a third of my life. I'm 63. It's exactly a third of my life. 21 years, the little kids that were running around have grown up and got kids of their own. Some have left us. Father Daisy's gone. Sister Louise is gone. Sister Diane is gone. Maybe I'm missing some. I'm not trying to miss any names. And so, in our church, we are a collection of small churches. The definition of a small church in America is less than 100 people. 80% of all churches in America are small churches. Right. And really are the backbone yes. of the Christian church community in right. America. Small churches. Well, yeah, the big ones get all the, they have the TV shows and the webcasts and they, you know, they get all the publicity and the write-ups and all yeah. that stuff. But small churches are the backbones of the Christian community in America. Yes. And every one of our churches, even Chesapeake and Raleigh, uh, you might break the hundred barrier, but let's talk about this one group of preachers was bragging to another. How many of you have? And they were bragging about their numbers, and one of them said, I wonder how many of y'all have on Wednesday night. So there's your, there's your truth. And none of us got over 100 on Wednesday night, or Friday night, or Sunday night. It's the world. And COVID has come along. And what's COVID done? It's messed everything up. And not just us. Not just the sanctified people, it's messed up with Baptist, Presbyterians, and Baptists, everybody. I mean, it's just exploded. And some people stopped coming because of COVID and they haven't come back yet. You got them in your crowd, I got them in mine. It kind of irritates me, <laughs> to be honest with you. After, after this long, it's time to get back on board. But here's my point that I want to make this morning. I want to make a plea to the people from the Chilton County community, and I want to make a plea to you guys. I want to tell you something. We can have the prettiest buildings in the world, and every, every pew filled with soul books and Bibles, and be ready to go. And if we don't have bodies in the building, and we don't have people that are dedicated to serving God, and people that are willing to pay the price, and come to church when you know it's going to be a small crowd, and the easy thing to do is you stay home because you're tired, but you go anyway. Why? Because you're dedicated to the cause of Christ. Because this is who we 
we are and this is what we do. Yeah. And there's a reason that we're doing it. And we don't know the night that we go out when there's only a few of us. Who's going to come in the door years ago in Norfolk? They were having an ordinary, nothing special Monday night prayer meeting. And there was a small group there. And there was, there was nothing special going on in the middle of that meeting. My uncle Ella Carter come through the double doors, walked down the aisle, went straight to the altar. We don't know what's going on. Do you want your church to be sold? This would make a beautiful Baptist church. This would make a beautiful Methodist church. Or it could be one of those generic church names. The Passion Church and the This Church and all that cool hip stuff. Oh man, we could put in some smoke machines and light machines and we could really fill this parking lot up right here. Because you know what? This church right here is something that means something. Does it mean something? Does it mean something to you? Are you ready to give your life to it? And what that means is that you need to get on board and get dedicated and determine that if this church is going to be sold, it's going to be sold with me standing in the middle of it. Somebody say amen. How about back home? There's many of us. I'm looking around. Look, we all just about are webcasting our meetings now. I get to peek in your window. I get to see what's really going on. It's no longer like years ago. We go to church and so how y'all doing? And you can kind of fake it a little bit, you know, if you wanted to. Oh no, we get to see each other. Let me tell you something. We're, some of us are on the struggle bus. We're in struggle bus. Hold on, God bless all y'all. Terry, God bless all yes, y'all. Y'all, I think we're struggling. We got 25 on Sunday morning. Y'all would love to have 25 on Sunday morning. Uh, and, and, and then normal, maybe right. they feel like they're struggling because they get on the 60 or 70s there on Friday night. Oh my goodness. Sign me up with some 60 or 70s. Uh, I'm saying this. That's been on my heart for a long time. And I'm saying this to the core. Yeah. It's time for all of us to be dedicated right. to right. this church that brought us there the gospel of the entire homeless. This church is not culturally cool. This church is scripturally cool. This church is not culturally hip. We are backed up by Jesus Christ himself. We got the backing of the Trinity. We got the backing of all the prophets that the, were before us. They're all in heaven. All the ones that we've lost, that we came, we lost. Our loved ones that have gone before Brother Sam's parents and Brother Danny's parents and Sister Alice's parents and Oh man, they're all in heaven. They want us to go on. They don't want us to give up the fight. If you fade in the name of adversity, your strength is small. They don't want us to quit. They want us to take on the whole armor of God. And let me tell you something. In just the last few years, I'm going to close with this. In the last few years, I've seen people that spent a long time, they were sanctified, but they were doing 20-fold. They would come to church when it was convenient. They would right. mostly sit down. Now, some of you got to sit down for health reasons. I'm not talking to you. Some of you got to take care of kids when you That's okay. But this is what we do right. yeah. up here. This is how we do church. Somebody say amen. amen. This is who we are. We do this. We start. We shout. This is the way we do church. We're not giving this tradition up. This is not holy. This, this tradition doesn't make something holy, but this is our identity. Yeah, this right. is the way we do church. So we need you to stand up. Yeah. 
if you can and help the meeting. We need you to be here every time the doors are open. Amen? Amen. Every time the doors are open, your local church needs to be able to count on you yeah, so right. that if you're not there, they're like, well, where is he? Where is she? They're always here. Yeah. And because I don't want to sell no more churches, Brother Dan. I don't want to sell no more churches. I don't want. And you know, some of us are running that close. Yes. And it could happen. This is reality. Yeah. How, who's on board with me? Yeah. As for me and my house, yeah. we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. Someone, maybe what inspired this, and I don't mind saying this, and I will close with this. Somebody at camp meeting that I love, and they love me. They came up to me and said in all sincerity, Gary, how long are you going to stay in Albany? Isn't it just mostly your family? I thought that person knew me better than they did. Because I don't do anything halfway. I hope you're the same way. I do something, I'm wild. You get a little bit of it, you get all of it. I'm not saying it's about me. And my answer to them was, <clears throat> I'm going to leave here the same way I came here. That's right. When God tells me. Amen. Amen. That's right. I didn't plan to go to Leesburg. No. Yeah. No way. I had no desire to go there. No desire. Only God could have opened the doors that opened. That's right. He wanted us there for His own time and His own reason. And He wants you yes. at your place. He opened the door for you to be in your church. And let's go to heaven together. Let's go to heaven together. I apologize for taking so long. I had to say that because this is important. We're at a critical time here in Jemison. We need every Jemison person that's sanctified to be on board. You need to be here whether you find fault or you don't find fault. Let me tell you something, the very finger you're pointing with has got three coming back at yourself. And we're, blessed is the man that does not sit in the seat of the scornful, but his uh, delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. We need everybody from the time this crowd goes home, when y'all come back together on Wednesday night, Every person that lives in this community needs to be in this meeting Wednesday night. And when y'all get back home, every one of you ought to be in your place on Wednesday night. We're going to go into prayer. We do want to pray with somebody and help somebody find Jesus and the beauty of sanctification. Let's stand as we sing this song.